Hello, and welcome to part three in our meditation series, Introduction to Meditation, Compassion, with Dr. Broderick Sawyer. I will let Dr. Broderick take it away, but before we get there, if you are looking for more information about the project, please check us out over at mentalhealthmedia.org, and please support our work by sharing this meditation. If you know somebody in your life that meditation might help, please share our series, and you can check out uh, check out all of our meditations over here at Mental Radio, over at mentalhealthmedia.org slash meditation, where we have all three of Dr. Broderick's meditations in these series. They, the first one is um, Introduction to Breathwork. The second is a mindfulness meditation. And today we bring you part three, um, Introduction to Meditation, Compassion. The meditation's about 14 minutes. After that, at about the 15-minute mark, there's a Q&A for about an hour about how all of the meditations work together and more information about this meditation. With all of that out of the way, find a nice cozy spot where you can relax, where you're safe, and I will let Dr. Broderick take it away. So what we're going to do is begin by closing the eyes. And with this particular practice, we want to really have a softness to us, a gentleness. Just the ease of a meadow full of grass and flowers. Just imagining the wind just rustling through the trees, rustling through this meadow. Just that easy, just a bright blue sky. And that's the attitude you want to bring to this practice. Just easy, easy, easy. Just such a light touch. And with each breath, I want you to sink into your seat more and more. Just really ease in. Maybe even take a deeper in-breath. Then let go of the breath. Just really let it go and easy, easy. And this easy attitude, this gentle attitude, is really what kindness is made of what compassion and love are made of. Just such an openness, feeling of safety. A feeling that you can be exactly as you are. You can be exactly what you are and enjoy life and enjoy this meadow, enjoy the safety of breathing into yourself and feeling relaxed. That's the energy of love. Just everything is okay. It's okay. You can relax here. You can take a break. You can feel joy. 
You can feel sadness. You can feel anything, be anything. And be accepted by this kind, compassionate approach. The approach of awareness, just gentle, soft, open to anything and everything. So I just want you to continue breathing this way and try to soften your face a little bit too. So just let go of any tension, maybe in the jaw or the facial muscles, the brow. And if it feels comfortable, you can even hold a light smile on your face. Not forced, only if it's comfortable. It's just to promote that attitude of kindness, of ease. Just this loving awareness. This awareness knows that everything in this moment is perfect. There's nothing wrong. We're just here. We're being. There's nothing to do. And in this way, love is allowing. Compassion is allowing. No pressure. No pressure at all. Just ease. Now from this space, we are then ready to acknowledge suffering. This is the space that puts water to suffering. From this perspective, from the heart, not the mind. I want you to bring to mind someone you care about or something you care about. Even if you have to create a scenario where you have to care for a stranger or a child, whatever the situation, imagine that you are in the presence of a suffering being. And you are seeing this suffering being with eyes full of kindness and openness and love. I want you to really imagine this being. In front of you. And the only thing you have to offer is your presence, is your openness, whether it's listening, whether it's kindly touching this being, whether it's words of reassurance, because you know that this being is suffering in this moment and there's nothing you can do to take it away. But you know that there's plenty you can do to make their suffering 
easier. Compassion is feeling the depth of suffering from your heart. It's an openness that allows you to see another being and feel what it might be like to be them. Notice what you might be feeling in these moments. Imagine this being receiving your comfort and them feeling relaxed, feeling a little bit safer with your presence. Maybe they relax, put their head on your shoulder. Maybe you hold their hand and you're just there, just being, just breathing together. Just awareness, that's all you're offering. And this being has just cuddled right up into your awareness. And it's warm for them. And all you are is open. Open, present with each breath. With each kind word. With each stretch of silence. Just open, vast, truly sharing a space of love. Noticing any body sensations. Maybe open to those sensations. Breathe into them a bit more. Relax into those sensations. And lean into them. If you feel yourself holding back from complete openness, I'd invite you to open a little bit more for this being. Really open yourself. Really relax into it. This loving, kind, 
gentle awareness get swept up in it if you feel yourself wanting to smile more lean into that whatever energy is occurring We really want to fan the flames. Breathe into it and let this feeling grow. Let it grow wider and wider until it feels like you're not loving anyone at all. You just are love. You are kindness. You are openness. And now we're just present. We're just here. And we're aware that love is happening. Compassion and kindness is just happening. And it's inside of us. And we're opening wider and wider to this feeling. And lastly, you can place your awareness right on the heart center, just using your mind's eye. Just imagine a pink light growing in the heart center, starting small and with each breath, feeling this pink light expand, grow larger. want you to open to this. Open. Wider and wider. Let this light grow. Brighter and brighter. And then when you're ready, you can open the eyes, come back to the room. Thank you, Dr. Broderick, for that meditation. Um, so this is the third meditation in the series. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What, what can you tell us uh, about this one? This one is a compassion meditation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh... This particular meditation is designed to essentially simulate for you what the awakened state of consciousness feels like. So in that meditation, we are visualizing uh, 
someone who is suffering and then opening to it. So we are relating to suffering in our mind's eye, you know, with this openness that then generates feelings of compassion. So a lot of times we see people who are struggling, have a hard time, and we keep trying to get rid of their suffering really quickly. And whether it's, you know, like, oh, like, well, at least you have your health, you know, or if it's, you know, a therapist in a therapy room, like, oh, just think, think uh, positive thoughts instead of, you know, you know, so that's a, a cultural phenomenon. We don't know how to sit with suffering. And this meditation is a very safe way of sitting with imaginary suffering. And then as you generate those images of that imaginary suffering, you then have this compassionate hardware, which is what um, really connects us as human beings, that ability to open up to the suffering of another and feel into that pain that then generates these very strong feelings of love and compassion and oneness. And in that way, uh, we want to see suffering uh, as the suffering, not my suffering or yours. It's just the suffering. And this meditation is designed to bring us into that state of awareness uh, that recognizes that everyone suffers and we just don't recognize that, you know, an angry outburst is suffering, you know, uh, or or shutting down emotionally is also suffering. So in this meditation, we are making the suffering explicit. Uh, so here's there's some someone suffering, someone you care about, or a stranger who's easy to care about, nothing you can do, open to it. And the healing, the soothing uh, nature of a compassionate, open awareness when it comes to suffering. And we can relate this way to other people, but also we can relate this way to ourselves. And the practice of this meditation, uh, when done enough, you learn and start to not really learn consciously, but you start to make that association between the recognition of suffering, so recognizing it, and then becoming extremely present with that suffering in such a way that um, promotes your natural hardware, which is compassion. But without opening to that suffering, then your compassion mechanics, so to speak, which are automatic, uh, they can't really take over. So it's that closing down in response to suffering uh, that makes it difficult. Uh, or if I'm sitting, saying, listening to Dr. Broderick, I'm like, oh, okay, so I, I need to open to my own suffering like right now and show love to it. Well, um, it depends on how ready you are to open to yourself in that way because we might still be attached to the mind. And that's a part of uh, the second meditation series that, that, we, um, that we did. It was becoming this observer. And that's the precursor to be able to sit with suffering and perceive uh, the awakened state, which is oneness. So everyone has this suffering together. We're all suffering in different ways. But we see ourselves as separate from each other. And that is within the mind. It's within our thoughts. Oh, well, well, I suffered more. So that means I should be compassionate only to myself or only to these groups. Da, 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 da. And that only maintains the illusory, illusory nature of self-other dynamics. It's not about the self-other. That's an illusion of mind. Spiritual oneness or, or interconnectedness, whatever you want to call it, it, it's there. But the veil of thoughts 
of identity, that creates that barrier. So when I am sitting with a loved one in this meditation, for example, I'm trying to make it easy for the the mind to wrap its head around why am I opening to this person? You know, because if I'm a black person, right, which 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 I am, and then I do that meditation, and someone says, "Okay, now imagine David Duke is sitting across from you." It's you see what I'm saying? Like, no, 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 it doesn't it doesn't work. And my ego is like, ah, because I'm I'm not an enlightened guru. I can't see past that yet because my ego is still intact. So now we're trying to basically lull the ego to sleep, you know, through a connection to someone who it's easy to love, mm. easy to sit with. And then we're perceiving oneness and practicing the perception of oneness and building that muscle with someone uh, that it's easy to open to uh, in that way. And then we sort of uh, feel those feelings of compassion. And then I'm actually having you bathe in those feelings. I'm sorry. And we're fanning the flame of those feelings. So over time, when you uh, do that meditation, and, and again, I'd recommend breath work, I'd recommend becoming the observer, those two things build up to this um, in a very effective way, because you can learn to sit and observe suffering without thinking, without being attached to the mind, remembering to breathe and slow down and open and feel, and then that compassionate hardware sort of comes in. Um, but yeah, this is the feeling that you want to fan you want to fan those particular flames uh, and then over time what you'll be able to do is perceive suffering much quickly and much more quickly in yourself and give yourself what you might need in those moments and it's not always kind words and things it could be um i mean you know my friday routine it's it's pizza in the oven and i'm watching seinfeld tonight tonight i'm playing a bunch of 2k nba 2k i'm going to the playoffs it's on uh or or I might even watch um Harriet, Harriet story of Harriet Tubman to celebrate Juneteenth. But it, it's all um it's all love, but it doesn't have to be these kind words all the time, these gooey, ooey stuff. It's just recognizing um, you know, recognizing that I'm tired, it was a long week, uh, recognizing, ah, oh, there's a little suffering here. Uh, and then I'm going to address that. So you tune into that and you can also tune into the suffering of others, but you need to be able to open to it first. To be able to open to it, you need to not identify with your mind and what you think and different things like that. And to not identify with the mind, you need to be able to breathe and sort of slow down, be in the body. Um, so yeah, and this is just a, really the last stage of this and that feeling of um, compassion and love that you might have felt after the meditation uh, that is um, what the awakened state feels like, but all the time, okay? And, uh, you know, that frame of reference is difficult to gather, but any enlightened being who has been on this earth and uh, taught, um, you know, about what enlightenment really is, uh, the nature of reality is that love, that interconnectedness that binds the universe together and the only thing that gets in way in the way of that is the uh, false illusion of uh, separation between self and other. And then the mind comes up with its different ideas that further that separation. When really everyone suffers in this base level, we're just not aware of it because we're too aware and identified uh, with our thinking minds, which uh, separate us. And then people in power uh, identify with their thinking minds and they perpetuate that separation. And then it becomes the suffering Olympics. 
as I think that we were talking about Dave Chappelle before that we went live, but yeah, he, he talked about the, you know, what did he say? He said, you ever play suffering Olympics with a Jewish person? He's talking about black people and Jewish people. They, yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. And he's like, um, yeah. And he, um, uh, then, then had mentioned, um, what, what did he say? Dude, I'm trying to remember it. He goes, he goes, oh, uh, you know, I, they talk about the Holocaust. I'm talking about slavery. And then they said, oh, what about Egypt? And he's like, I didn't know you were going back to Egypt, you know. But his whole point was nobody wins in that. It's these ideas that get us pretty stuck. And these practices are just designed not to get you to love David Duke. <laughs> these practices are designed to help you open your heart especially this this last piece, but feeling safe with the breath, being able to let your thoughts pass without identifying with them. Um, and then in, from that space, we can learn to open the heart by visualizing uh, safe others in our lives or people who are easy to love or open to. Um, and then, yeah, and then really just fanning that particular flame of openness, recognition of suffering, and then compassion being the automatic answer. So I get two two things uh, come to mind for me. Um, one, what a gift for people who are caretakers. That's the first thing that kind of comes to mind, who's like dealing with a chronically ill person in their lives or maybe someone dealing with mental illness or just people who are dealing with stuff, which is everybody, right, mm-hmm. um, right now, uh, who struggle with that. Um, but like you said, I, I can already hear people on Twitter mm-hmm. getting cranky, and not necessarily like that you have to imagine David Duke across you because that is from you because that's even, you know, that's obvious. But some people do still have people in their lives who are causing them harm. Um, so is this a, still appropriate for somebody who might be in a situation like that? Uh, I, I would say no, mm. not at this time. Okay. But what I will say is that over time, when you practice this enough, you can begin to see others in your life who have caused you harm uh, from this compassionate place. It's almost like a different uh, lens of consciousness. The consciousness that recognizes, um, and I'll use one of my favorite quotes um, for my uh, good friend Liz Cheney. She says, uh, our parents are victims of victims mm. uh, and, and my victims of victims. And then in that way, you can see the radical blamelessness in it all. However, a big however, is that the ego, the ego structure, which, uh, you know, sees us as needing to be protected, so won't let that in. And that's okay. You have to be where you are in your process. Um, you know, when we talk about, you know, trauma or, you know, we talk about just, uh, societal dynamics, you know, forgiveness is the very last place, the very last place. And forgiveness isn't, I forgive you and it's okay for you to hurt people. Forgiveness is recognition that, Hey, we're all just victims born from victims. Um, and there's this radical blamelessness and peace in it. Um, and I'm not here to say what people like, I'm here to, you know, tell the truth. Uh, and in this way we might observe like, oh, I can hear what he's saying. Logically it makes sense. But my emotions are like, no, 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 no. That's a sign that you're not there. Don't, don't force yourself to be where you're not. Um, 
but that's why this practice is really designed to promote the feeling that then is a precursor uh, to this life of radical uh, understanding um, and, and really being uh, as awake as you possibly can. It's not all about loving someone. It's also about, um, you know, love in the form of truth telling. You know, so it's not just, oh, suffering. It might be, hey, stop stop fucking projecting all over me, you know, mom, you know, and uh, drawing a boundary and showing her how upset you are. That's another form uh, of love is drawing a boundary. Or another form of love might be having no contact with someone because you know that you might get triggered by what they say and uh, get lost in your own reaction, causing more harm. And they might cause you harm, too. So then that way you're not loving yourself if um, if you're putting yourself in that situation and open uh, to being harmed by someone who um, who isn't aware that they're causing that harm. So it's, it's very complicated, but really it's it's um, you want to be in a state of radical compassion uh, and uh, not contributing more suffering uh, to the world. And sometimes you might need to make hard decisions. Uh, to do that, um, really painful realizations too. Um, and I remember the first time I opened up that way in my consciousness to the suffering of my mother. Uh, and there is a deep love and appreciation for all that she went through, um, and compassion and understanding all of that. Um, but when she, um, you know, uh, says different things or does different things that, that hurt me. Uh, I'm not, I'm not just allowing it to continue. You know, I might leave the space. I might draw a boundary or things like that, but that was a part of my healing process. And that took time. Um, so yeah, you know, my, my classic advice, just be, just be where you are. Don't be where I'm saying, you know, um, you could be, be right where you are. And if that feels comfortable, stay there for as long as you would like. Compassion is boundary drawing, and compassion is also not trying to rush your emotions, not trying to push yourself past a place where you're at, because you got to feel your way through the other side. And there's no shortcuts. From, from all I've learned in this game, no shortcuts. So how does this meditation, this is the compassion meditation, we've done two others. We've done the introduction to breath work. We've done uh, the introduction um, to mindfulness. How do these fit together um, as, you know, a series of three meditations? Yeah. So it's actually been a pretty long time coming. Um, So I've been practicing meditation for four years and within that time, uh, I have been trying to distill uh, what people need to know uh, about which techniques to use, what the point of meditation is, all of that. So the point being of meditation is to be free from your mind, be free from the thinking mind, and be able to sit in a state of presence without, uh, without moving away from it, being able to stay. And letting your thoughts run, but not identifying with them. Sitting and being in presence. And the um, this particular meditation uh, highlights the nature 
um, that is compassion, that is safety. So being in the presence of love, love for no reason, uh, that level of safety and submission, it's, there's an extreme amount of presence and peace and certainty. It's touching the core of our predicament, our reality as humans. Life is suffering, as the Buddha put it. And in that way, when we open to that suffering, what life is, and then we sit there and we learn to tolerate reality as it is. Then the, then blooms this feeling of connection and truth while you're in the presence of love that the ego, the thinking mind, cannot see from its perspective. And uh, behind the mind, that's, that's what's there. However, we're also stuck in the mind and reinforced to be in the mind. Uh, this is um, really about the evolution of human consciousness. We're just literally evolving ourselves through these practices, uh, our, our inner landscapes. And as a byproduct of altering your inner landscape, you change the outer landscape, which you are a part of. Um, so this last uh, meditation uh, is really um, building off of the first two with the first breathwork meditation uh, necessary uh, to cope with fear. So fear is in the body. So when we have tightness, shortness of breath, things like that, and we're not breathing deeply, then we can't slow down. And if we can't slow down, we can't see the mind. We can't use mindfulness to see our thinking minds clearly. We can't become that observer if we aren't breathing. If we're in a state of fight, flight, freeze, and we're really stressed, we don't realize we're stressed, we're not breathing, slowing down, all that stress in our bodies doesn't allow you to see your thinking mind or to engage in the present moment because your fear is um, literally um, analyzing the past and predicting the future very quickly, very quickly. So that middle space, that safety of the present moment isn't accessible um, because, again, the cortisol, the stress hormone is just so turned up but by breathing and sort of slowing that down, uh, then at that point, you can start to see, oh, there's presence here. There's someone that's aware. Then at that stage, then the second meditation, you can begin to play with that awareness. So you can see, oh, there are thoughts. Wow, that's here. Whoa, sounds. Whoa, I'm present. Interesting. Wow. Just having fun with presence. And then the, the last meditation is like, you want to see something even wilder? <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well, now here's this really shitty situation, you know, and like, wow. But it's so human and raw. And there's just such a bare bones component to someone you care about suffering. That submission uh, to the, the basic reality of what it means to really be human and feel connected in those moments. That's right there, and you're in doing it inside of your own mind. And then once you can uh, become the observer, now you're in the observer while you are observing suffering. And now you're also opening to that suffering even more and really fixating right on it from that observer awareness as well as feeling in the body, slowing down the breath. So then as you ease in there, then those feelings of love, connectedness, all of that just bloom from that place. So feeling safe, becoming the observer, and then opening to suffering, which then promotes 
those feelings of love and connectedness and just to again highlight don't be where you're not it's okay and i really like to encourage people this practice use a pet pets are very very neutral (laughs) you know and if you try to use yourself that's a pretty difficult Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. that's pretty hard um so be where you're at and always 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 if you're meditating you feel overwhelmed feel like you can't handle something stop <laughs> go back to using breath work or i've even I, shit i've encouraged the client in the past couple of weeks yeah i think so i think you're meditating too much how about you take a take a week <laughs> off you know because because sometimes you're not yeah. you know you're not always ready for what is there and that's okay too um but just know that these practices are out there you can do them you can wake yourself up anyone can can wake up anyone can do it Mm. Uh, and, and I just over over these years, I've tried to, in this process, wake myself up and get my sort of uh, get my tires onto the tire track, so to speak, most effectively and identified which practices speed that process up most. Uh, and these are the basic core tenets that I have found not only in my own practices, but then also as I teach, as I teach these things, they move people along quicker, sort of in this basic way. Um, so there's been a f- refinement process here. Uh, and really, this is the study of consciousness. Where I'm, I'm, showing, I'm showing folks my understanding of uh, my consciousness, which is the same hardware as your consciousness. Just like a, a doctor might, you know, open up a spleen. He doesn't say this spleen is different from every other one, everyone else's spleen. No, the hardware is the same. In consciousness, the hardware is exactly the same. So these are sort of the the keys, so to speak, uh, to the mechanics. Um, and also, I'm it's ongoing for me. Um, but personally, you know, when I settle down and I in my meditation practice, I don't think I've said this on on air yet. Um, but I start by slowing down the breath and inducing that sense of safety. So there I am, just breathing, I feel safe. And then I start watching the mind and becoming that observer. And there I am, watching the mind, becoming the observer. And then I let the mind run. And I look right at it, and then I let go of those thoughts. Now I'm sitting, and now those feelings of compassion, the peace of the present moment, my love for suffering beings all across the world, that springs out of that complete presence every morning. And I feel that. And I've done it through this process. And the awakened state, being completely awake, that feeling would persist throughout the day. That's, that's the eventual goal. Right? So the more you do these practices uh, and, and are able to move into this place in your consciousness where you only perceive love and oneness, like love for no reason. It's not one person loving another it's you become that love and it's it's accessible it's there i know everyone knows what i'm talking about and when they feel that feeling it's just learning to induce it and experience it and really bathe in it that helps your mind um really taste it and then want it and crave it in, in such a way that reinforces you engaging in the practices more and more and more. So this is really my inner journey, so to speak, and me just distilling that inner journey into various teachings that take advantage of the hardware 
of consciousness that I'm not just learning meditation practice and teaching, but also sitting in front of therapy clients for many, many hours. Um, I see where people get stuck. I see where they get stuck and I see when they get unstuck. You know, I, I've been studying transcendental med- or, or practicing transcendental meditation for four years. Um, and it's one type of meditation that my meditation teacher was given, who was given by another person who was given to mm-hmm. by a guru. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, there's not, it's, it's, it's usually very one note from what I understand. And here you are bringing this entire toolkit of all these different approaches mm-hmm. At the same time, how did you get to this place where mm. mm-hmm. there's all these different tools? It's kind of unique. Mm. Yeah. And, and what I realized here is that people are at different stages. They're at different stages. So um, rather than try to do a one size fits all model um, <laughs> and, and end up sort of projecting uh, where I am onto everyone else. Uh, I think it was important to use building blocks based on the problems uh, that cut us off from the awakened state. So first I had to understand what was the awakened state? What is it? The nature of reality is love. Okay, that's the, that's the awakened state. Any guru, anything, that's, that's what it is, uh, whether I, my mind agrees with it or not. So then after having experienced uh, that, that awakened state and various awakenings in this continuous, just unfolding process of my own consciousness, uh, it, it, the awakened state, when I'm in it, is always the same. The nature of love, of reality is love. It just is. Uh, and now from that space, okay, Broderick, if someone told you that two years ago, what would you have said? Well, I'm too caught up in my thoughts two years ago. Okay, so I need to be able to watch my thoughts first before I can perceive that become the observer all right so someone can't just do a compassion meditation and be too locked up into their thoughts because then they'll think oh i can only only feel that love for i don't know like my my wife or you know my partner or this or that or or a pet or whatever because we're lost in our minds we're lost in our minds um so even um you know and, and i think even when i was in that place i was still clinging certain grievances I had with people mm. rather than uh, getting out of the mind and into the heart. And that took practice to learn how to let my thoughts run and not say anything back to the point where it get it gets silent in my head. I, that took a lot of practice. Uh, so that meditation too, the, the practicing mindfulness, becoming the observer, uh, that took a while. But mm. when we focus on one particular skill at a time, it gives you the building blocks. And this is also from my athletic background. Uh, if I want to, say, um, play the position of point guard for basketball, uh, then I need a particular set of skills. I need to increase my skill set with handling um, the basketball, dribbling the basketball. That's one specific set of skill. Uh, I need to work on uh, my free throw shooting. Point guards are supposed to be able to just drain three free throws at the uh, at a ninety percent clip. I need to work on my passing. So these are all different competencies that build into a particular thing. Uh, so in that way, I want to provide everyone at every layer uh, that accessibility. And I think we've talked about this uh, off air a bit, but um, sometimes we get too lost into the philosophical teachings. The Buddha said himself uh, that, "Hey, look." These are outlines, these are teachings, uh, but don't get lost in the rules of the teachings. 
And then we, what, what do we do today? We get lost in the rules of the teachings. It's not, the goal isn't to do the teachings correctly. The goal is to be free. It's to be free. Uh, so context is always different. So teachings, uh, you know, put in place thousands of years ago, they may not fit the current context. The past does not map onto the present moment. And that's what the Buddha said. But yet we're still like perpetuating, uh, you know, a lot of different meditation styles or techniques as if they all fit the current context. But the current context is always different. And what, what have I noticed about this current context for, for many people as, you know, as far as myself and also sitting with clients, it's uh, people are afraid. They're not breathing. They're not, they're not even aware that they're not breathing. There's a bunch of fear in their body. They're tense. Okay, well, that's step one. <laughs> I can't watch my mind if I'm tense, you know. And then, uh, well, okay, you know, watching that mind, stop identifying with it, learn to let go and watch it. That's very important. Learning to let go and experience an emotion without having your thoughts uh, narrate what the emotion is. You know, the emotion of sadness comes up. Your mind comes in and says, oh, what was me? This sadness will be forever. This is just like the last time I was sad and da, 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 this whole storyline. What if I can just experience an emotion and feel it fully and watch whatever my mind says without buying into it? Then the emotion can move through me and pass. And I gain an understanding about that emotion, not through thinking about it, but through fully experiencing that. It's all about that opening to experience. And we need to not identify with that mind to open up to that experience. And then the, you know, then the, uh, that's one particular skill. And then the last phase of it, that skill to open up to the suffering of the world, to open up to feelings of love for another, that's a very vulnerable thing to do. And if your mind is involved in that process, uh, it is very difficult to be in that heart space, um, you know, let, let, you know, sure with another person, even if it's imaginary, but, you know, let alone like being in that space with yourself and feeling your own sadness and feeling compassion for your own sadness. So it's a lot. So I, I wanted to really build on these things. Um, I've been like holding back. I don't want to, I'm, I'm holding back criticizing one of my favorite gurus, Ramana Maharshi. <laughs> um, but uh, his discourse was extremely valuable. His techniques, extremely valuable. Um, but he's moving right into uh, promoting existential threat immediately with uh, his technique of um, self-inquiry or self-inquiry, I believe it's pronounced. Mm -hmm. um, he's saying, watch your thoughts and then start asking, you know, who am I? You know, and to start to, um, you know, as your thoughts come up and you say, oh, I'm hungry. You're supposed to say, who's hungry? Uh, I'm hungry. And then who am I? And then. There's silence, and it's, it's a fun, fun little trick. But what if someone has so much fear in their body and have trauma, and or suicidal thoughts, right? Then who are they? Oh, I'm suicidal. Who's suicidal? You know what? You know th there's there's a lot of fear and ego identification uh, within that place. And first, we just need to feel safe. We just we we don't feel safe yet. So once we feel safe, you know, maybe once we've We've gone to therapy for a bit and we've processed these suicidal thoughts. We've become comfortable with these thoughts. Only then are we ready to look directly at them, mm -hmm. right? And that is really what I wanted to do was provide, uh, provide meditations and a program of meditation uh, that cuts across all levels of learning. Because that's my goal here is to raise consciousness and provide organic, cheap 
um, you know, no cost methods uh, to uh, achieving that awakened state of consciousness and really being able to do it at whatever, uh, you know, level you're at. Uh, and that takes multiple styles and types of meditation. And um, I think for myself, uh, I've been, um, you know, when I might talk to uh, folks in Buddhist circles or, or things like that, uh, sometimes, um, you know, there there is this overfixation on doing the quote unquote right type of meditation and just quoting teachers again and again and again on what you're supposed to do rather than talking about the the goal of what it is really. So it's, it's this odd dynamic. It's don't cling to any thoughts about anything except for this format of meditation, you know, except for this, you know, this, this teaching or the four noble truths or da, 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 da. Um, but when you focus on where you're at in the present moment, um, you just may have a harder time with certain other forms of meditation. And this is just a way, an accessible way that doesn't involve you adopting a whole spiritual practice. Um, really, uh, I'm showing you about your consciousness. These are the mechanics of your consciousness. And these are ways in which you can relate to your consciousness that will promote an elevated uh, part of your consciousness. You're building a particular uh, muscle. You're building on a muscle. You are shedding a cocoon, right? Just through these practices and through certain buttons on this non-physical apparatus, which is your consciousness. You can't see it in a physical way. But through meditation, we can see it with our mind's eye. We see what's happening. And just working through these things, uh, these are the three particular skills I find as um, sort of uh, what we call disarming the ego. It disarms it. Uh, And that's really what this is about, is disarming that mechanism uh, and then relating to it in such a way that doesn't only disarm it, but also promotes the awakened state. We breathe, we slow down. We identify with the observer, not our thoughts. Okay, we, we're disarming it. And now we're going to promote the awakened state through inducing feelings of the awakened state, which are love. So then combined, it promotes that awakened consciousness. Uh, and, and I found this is an extremely creative process over these past uh, four, four years or so and uh, identifying where it is. And now that uh, for myself, getting on the path um you know, of awakening and being able to achieve these higher states of consciousness myself. Um, and again, I'm not an enlightened guru. I'm not. No, no, no. Don't don't get it twisted. Um, I, I'm I've identified ways to alter my consciousness to induce that state uh, and enlightenment being in that state all the time, um, which is very, 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 very rare across the ages is for people listening. Um, but as I have gotten my feet. Uh, firmly on the ground and identified these things. Now I'm just bringing everyone up to speed on what I've learned in these past four years and then making it very accessible for anyone, anyone to achieve that same thing. Um, And also these, these three separate meditations, they allow you to be where you're at and practice what you need at the time. Yeah. To go back to your basketball analogy, Mm -hmm. You know, you have all these tools, all these skills, but you also have a coach. And people mm-hmm. at home don't have a meditation coach. So mm-hmm. while we're waiting mm-hmm. for the Broderick Sawyer, Dr. Broderick Sawyer Guide to Meditation to come out, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what can we do uh, while we're waiting for uh, yeah 
for that for that next resource that uh, maybe delves into that a little bit deeper. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, like like I'm, you know, like you said, you know, that uh, full guide to meditation. Um, you know, I'm talking about book writing and various things like that. You know, but really in the in the meantime, all you really need are these three uh, segments that we've done: the breath work, mindfulness, and then this one. Uh, and I try to be very complete in the teachings, you know, so people have everything they need, the full explanations that they need. And that's really all that they need. Um, it's that underlying philosophy that I'm trying to provide, trying to provide so that you don't need to go read every book about, um, you know, meditation or Buddhism or Hinduism. You don't need to go do that. I'm essentially distilling that for you. Um, and commu- communicating things in a grounded uh, way that uh, that are contextualized within our particular culture and within particular issues that I see as a therapist, as a person, um, and then also just seeing the mechanism of consciousness and being very direct about the full explanation of it, um, which I don't, I'm not sure a lot of uh, teachings are that direct. Um but I, either way, you know, you can look up various meditation teachers and the ones I guess I'll, I'll um, you know, sort of co-sign, I believe, uh, Tara Brock. Very, very, very good. A lot of depth of knowledge. Um, Ram Das, of course. Um, you know, the, these other, um, you know, other different uh, teachers. Chagyam Trungpa. Very, very good. Very rich book. Pema Chodron, actually, Trungpa's student. Um so the, there are these these teachers out there if you want to ground yourself uh, in more practices. Uh, however, I will say that um, my intention of uh, you know doing these three meditations and then having full explanations uh, following them is to uh, make it complete. You know, can someone reach uh, reach uh, mental liberation with these three meditations and explanations alone? Yes. Mm. You know, and that was the whole point, the whole point. I want to bring people along to awakening, you know, not just uh, help them become meditators, you know, but use meditation as a tool to become free. That's the goal. Uh, and in that way, this these philosophies and things, um, they're designed to ground your everyday experience in the awakened reality. So as you're learning these philosophies, you learn them. And with your mind, but then you experience them day to day by keeping them in mind. And then you start to develop your own philosophy, your own understandings. And then you become more present with your experience. And then you're practicing, you know, you're, you're, you know, say you're just working on not identifying with your thoughts. And each day you feel better and better and better, you know. And then, uh, you know, as that goes on, then let me try this compassion meditation. Oh, okay, let me try that more. Let me try that one twice. What do I feel as if I'm feeling things from the bottom of my heart? What do I feel comforted in my sadness when I'm not thinking about it too much? When I'm just being and sitting and not identifying with my thoughts. And over time, you start to see that life becomes the meditation. And we get too fixated on the credentials. You know, I need to have a formal, I need to have a guru or a teacher. Have, whoa, whoa, whoa. How about you just start by observing reality? And the breath, non-identification with thoughts, and uh, compassion. 
those three, those three will do you. But then it is also the uh, explanations that we're providing here. Uh, and that's all you need. And my intention was to provide the most complete explanation of reality that I could. And uh, in these three separate pieces, uh, that's exactly what I've done. So you know what I know. Um, but now um, it's up to you to uh, do the practices and experience what I have experienced. See so you know what I'm saying? And that, um, you know, I, I love what um, I think the, the Buddha was a fantastic teacher, just an amazing teacher. And what he said, which I think most teachers should take on this philosophy, he, he says, uh, don't confuse um, my finger and the moon. Just because I'm pointing at the moon doesn't mean that my finger is the truth. The moon is the truth. Don't get confused. You know, this is just me pointing to reality and asking you to breathe, feel more safe, get out of your head into presence, and then open to that reality. Open your heart to that reality, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And hey, if you don't, then you can go right back to relating to reality just as you did before. No harm, no foul. No harm, no, harm, no foul. So you can di dip in here, dip in there, and just kind of feel what you want to do. You don't, there's no mm -hmm. rigid and even being too rigid maybe is a something that you don't want to do. It sounds like. Yeah. And even if you are rigid, observe your rigidity. Okay. Go ahead. Ha have at it. You know, be, be more, be more rigid, be more righteous. <laughs> but as you're doing that, observe, if you're observing and you're observing your, your reaction, observing your rigidity, you start to see how the awakened mind is already there. That's the trick here. <laughs> it's already there. That's why I call it self-realization. You don't become someone else. You see your mind clearly. You see your rigidity clearly. You see your ego clearly. You see all of that. Uh, it's really just you versus you, you know, and not a, I'm going to vanquish myself. I'm going to observe myself and see it clearly until I'm like, yeah, no, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And the only reason I've had a hard time seeing that the ego reactions I've had uh, that are hurting me. The only reason I've had a hard time seeing that is because I've been reinforced to interact with my ego as if it was real. That's the only reason it's so difficult to undo that process. But like I said, it can be undone. You just need to reinforce something else in your consciousness, which is there and more comfortable uh, and more natural. Uh, and it's the consciousness from which we can all recognize that we are all deserving of that love and connection and attunement and safety just because we are humans. And that's what we really are. That is our, our true nature. And all we must do is realize that uh, through the veil of the ego structure, which is born out of protection. It's not that the ego leaves. It's that we see it and it becomes a tool. Uh, I love this, this uh, particular quote. Um, I think Ram Dass had, had said it, um, uh, but uh, I think it was from someone else, but the ego makes a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. Wonderful, wonderful servant, terrible master. Uh, in this way, um, we come to see and watch that it can't solve all of our problems. We can't just force things to be the ways that we want them to be. 
That's not the way. The ego thinks it has supreme control. And that's why, why, what it's supposed to think. But you don't have to identify with that. You know, it's just this extra part of your consciousness. You know, I'll use the example of, um, uh, you know, you have a, a gun on your hip. Um, and, and you're watching, you're watching a TV show and then the TV show makes you angry. If you ask the gun, Hey, what should I do about this? The gun is going to say, you should shoot the TV. That's not the gun's fault for thinking that way because the gun, that's what it does. Mm -hmm. It, It shoots. That's what it does. Um, so similarly, the ego defends, it protects, it is righteous. So anytime you ask it what to do, it's going to do that. You know, so we just learn to stop reinforcing it and investing it as if it is the only part of us that can see reality. So these practices are all designed uh, to assist you in moving into that higher self or that soul awareness. And then when you're in that space, you can learn how to lean back into that space that knows I'm right here right now and we're all here together. And we all feel pain. And isn't that sad? And and can I and I feel compassion for that pain that we all feel right here in this moment. Just this moment. Not in my thoughts, just in this moment. And that consciousness becomes very accessible so you can sort of lean into it. And then when there's a moment when ego needs to be on primary, on ten, you can lean into that while you're also aware aware of that awareness behind even right now as i speak my ego is speaking things right that it knows you know quote unquote it's saying these things but my awareness my moment-to-moment awareness is in charge of that ego structure and moment to moment i'm sort of automatically choosing the words that meet the moment rather than telegraphing or predicting what I'm going to say next, or having the right thing, or blah, blah, blah. I need to be right and correct. This is the correct form of meditating, and blah, 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 blah. It's, it's this fluidity that comes from the awareness, and that awareness sees truth. It sees truth, not in everybody else. I'm not just sitting here saying, I know the truth about you. I've seen the truth of consciousness. And, um, you know, that it, that's the other thing, that these things are becoming main, so mainstream. It's not so wise because I'll start talking about these things and then people will nod their heads and, and agree with me as if they already knew these things to be true. So in that way, uh, we can validate truth uh, by referencing our own consciousness. And all I'm doing is talking about the, the structure and the mechanics of consciousness in that way. Um, so, yeah. Any notes for the people before we get to the allow you to go for uh your shaba your, your your shabbos pizza my pizza the pizza is, is waiting the pizza the pizza is waiting but the people need final notes dr b anything else we want to say to the the people out there who are learning meditation maybe for the first time or or, or getting to into practice of using these three together yeah the first timers um i would say don't get too lost in what i'm saying here and don't get too intimidated about what I'm saying here. Um, I would say meet yourself where you are. Start with a basic practice, reworking the breath. Use that breath work one. Start feeling safe. Use it to get to sleep, you know. 
uh, and, and move through these particular practices, just seeing where you're at, seeing where you're at, slowing down. Okay. Um, and while I might talk about the awakened state all the time, uh, you can use these meditations, not just uh, to wake yourself up. You can use these to deepen your relationships. You can use these to make your trauma symptoms more manageable. Okay. Uh, you can use these to, if you have a lot of depression and you have depressive thoughts, you can use this to not identify with your thoughts. You can practice some mindfulness. Okay. So use these uh, at your disposal for, you know, whatever issue you might have going on. Because uh, they're pretty um, adaptable in that way. I just like to not uh, code switch, you know, about what um, what the awakening state is, what the purpose of meditation was to begin with, um, you know, all those years back. Um, but if, if you are the more casual practitioner, you're new to it. Um, you know, I'm just I'm just telling you all the benefits, all the bells and whistles. You know, I'm, I'm telling you about where you could go. But if you're feeling you know what, I kind of just want to work on my panic symptoms, you know, I just kind of want to dissociate a little less, like with my trauma, or I don't have any mental health background, health, health, health issues, but I get lost in my head sometimes, you know, you can use these um, for really anything that you might need. It's a way of sort of clearing out your consciousness um, to make it more efficient. Um, it's essentially you are turning on with meditation, you're turning on a fan, a ventilation system uh, for the first time, and it clears out the cobwebs and makes your system mm. and your consciousness move much smoother. Uh, and you can take that as, as far um, or as short as, as you might like. Um, and again, just as a reminder, do not push yourself. Like, seriously, I know I know how y'all perfectionists get out there. I'm, I'm, I am perfectionist <laughs> as well. I get it. All right. I had to, I had to wear that hat while I was doing all this stuff. And I have to find the, you know... Um, I have to find the truth and I would be very rigid about it with myself. And then realizing the truth, I was like, oh shit, like, haha, look at me being so rigid. Um, but I know when you're in that place, you want to be the best meditator and it's just all or nothing thinking thing. Um, if you're thinking that and you move into a space where you are trying to forgive some family member who caused you harm in a compassion meditation um, and you're not ready, that could, could cause harm. Be careful with that. Don't push yourself um, when you're not there yet. Okay, mm -hmm. you have to be where you are. And I've come to these realizations and things um, based on being where I'm, I'm, I am, not where I'm not. Um, and I still meet with, uh, with a Buddhist teacher of mine, you mm. know, and I still rely on friends and, uh, and the insights for others. So you just, you never get to a place where you know it all. Just be where you're at. And learn to appreciate that. Ah, here I am. And then I can catch traction in this moment. And then I start to move. If I try to be where I'm not, I'm just spinning out. And I'm not moving at all. If I catch traction, even if I'm really not where I want to be, if at least I'm there, I can start to move, however slowly. Uh, so I really want to highlight that, that for folks. So, yeah. mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Dr. Broderick. Uh, I really look forward to putting these three together, especially uh, this last uh, compassion meditation. Um, thanks so much for your time. Of course, man. Thanks for having me.
Thanks for tuning in to this special edition with Mental Radio. If you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is to share it. iTunes and Spotify, they don't do a lot to promote the podcast. And we need your support by sharing it. You can tag me at Zookman on Twitter and on Instagram at Z-O-O-K-M-A-N-N. Or Dr. Broderick uh, at Broderick um, A88. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, retweet you. I will follow you. Dr. Broderick might be a little bit more selective in who he follows, but I think you got a reasonable chance with Dr. Broderick. Um, That really helps us out. And if you want to figure out how you can get involved more with the project, check us out over at mentalhealthmedia.org, where we've got all of our links and all of our info. And, um, yeah, you can find out uh, how to plug in. we got some T-shirts, we got some stickers, um, so on and so forth. Uh, as always, this uh, podcast is produced by A.V. Flocks, with a special thanks to Tom Trottier, Tamara Broadhead, and Patrick Mohan. Thanks to all of our uh, GoFundMe supporters, Mecky M., Carolina P., Ryan P., Chip and Nads, Metal D., Tall Paul M., Joel R., Ben G., Vinny R., Patty M., Sean H., Linda E., Franklin G., Johnny P., Sophia M., Jackie M., Bob S., Rose P., Jeannie A., Handy H., Tim W., Stephanie P., Patrick L., Stephen J., Judy B., David L., Stuart M., Jim E., Cash G., The Smo, Alex B., Marilyn S., Colin F., Lauren B., Patricia M., Phil A and Ivan M. Um, and that in the background is Basho the Therapy Cat. So thanks to Basho the Therapy Cat for adding his two cents as well. And uh, I hope you like this one. Uh, I'm really proud of uh, really proud of this one, uh, this episode with Dr. Broderick. It's real meditation, real skills. Um, we're getting amazing feedback on the first meditation, um, introduction to meditation. Breathwork, you can look out look up wherever you get podcasts over at mental or over at mentalhealthmedia.org. Um, I'm hoping this one helps people too. Everyone's really stressed out. So it's time to take a breath and look at your thoughts and see what is. It is really a privilege to be able to bring this to the world. Please help us do that more and share as much as I can. All right. I appreciate you, everyone. Hang in there. Take care of yourselves. Look out for each other. Talk to you later. Zygazan.